Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, it is the winter season. I, I, I thought my illustration may not work really well, talking about winter as I'm driving out to the Redlands on a beautiful, sunny, southeast Queensland morning. And then I walk in here and the first five people I met at the door looked like they were going skiing today. Like for me, this, this weather is just heavenly. The sun is shining, I'm not sweating, it's as good as it comes. And then I meet Ross Gillam in his puffer jacket at the door and it looks like he's about to jump into the snow. I'm like, well, maybe my winter illustration will work because you all look like you're really cold, even though I'm just loving it here today. But you know, winter is one of those times of year, isn't it, where things change. And change practically for us. It's harder to get out of bed in the morning. Who finds that? It's just harder to get out. We do a 10 a.m. service at Ormo. There's reason for that because when winter comes, it's easier to get there on time. Winter's just harder to get out of bed. I've got five children and not one of my children uh, likes the mornings. It is a nightmare in school time. 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. in our household in the school term is just the worst. If I could get rid of that hour every day and get rid of 6 to 7 p.m. at night every day, 22 hours of the day, I'd be a really happy man. But they are not fun times in my family and winter is a whole lot worse. It's hard to get out of bed. The days are shorter in terms of sunlight. It's hard to get the washing dry. And because it's cold, there's so much more washing. My children just go through endless tracksuit pants and tops and you put it out for three hours of the sun and then you still need to use the dryer even though you don't want to use the dryer because power prices are going up right and so I don't know what you're like but we just chase the sun with the clothes horse for a little while to try and get some more hours of sunlight into the clothing. It's harder to get things dry. It's harder to get things to grow. Now that I, so a few years ago I uh, hit 40, a few years into my 40s now and someone said when you hit 40 it just things start to ache. Well it's true and in winter everything aches. I had some gardening yesterday and I've got some muscles in my body that I didn't know existed. They didn't ache when I was in my 30s, but now I'm in my 40s. I, I have no idea what it feels like when I get to my 50s and 60s. Some of you here are going to have to tell me all about that, but things just ache a whole lot more in winter. We all know that the winter season is more that time where we just get through and we do sometimes the minimal. In, in my family, hospitality dries up in the winter. We have fewer people around. We love doing our summer barbecues out on the patio. Become winter, hospitality dries up. There's something about the winter season. But I, I think the winter season can be a metaphor for seasons in our lives as well. We walk through all the seasons in our life, don't we? And winter can be that season when things are a lot harder, things are a lot slower, when the momentum seems to stop, when things hurt just a little bit more, when it's hard to get going. One of the things I love about the Bible is it doesn't hide from us the winter seasons of life. Growing up, the only interaction I had with the Psalms was that I knew that they informed all of the happy songs that we sang at the church. And then as I got older and I started to read the Psalms, I realised there's just as many Psalms of lament as there are Psalms of joy and adoration and praise. You know, those seasons where the Psalmist writes about the silence of God and the 
doubt of God's action and his sovereignty and why is he doing things the way? Why, God, aren't you listening to me? Why are you so far from my hearing? Why are my enemies gloating over me? You know, all of these statements in the psalm that speak to those winter seasons, those times when things get really challenging. Uh, hopefully as an encouragement to you today, I want to share one of the biggest winter seasons of my leadership. And it was actually one of the most exciting seasons of my leadership as well. Ten years ago, 25th of March 2012, I had the privilege of leading a team of about 50 people from Gateway to plant Gateway Ormo. And uh, we hadn't planted as a church for a very long time. I think since we were an original multi-campus church of Green Slopes Baptist back in the 1920s. But we had this heart and this passion to actually start giving back, taking some of the resources that God had given to our church and starting to bless more communities with them. And I felt the nudge, my family felt the nudge, and we went and started Gateway Ormo together in March 2012. We hired a hall at Livingston Christian College in Ormo on the northern Gold Coast. And uh, the hall was not that spectacular. Let me just tell you about our hall. Our hall probably was about halfway between what this room looked like before it was renovated and what it is now. It was pretty basic. It was one of the sheds that got built during a previous government when a lot of money was poured into school halls. And uh, it had a vinyl floor that had every kind of sports marking on it. I don't know why they do that. That you Like there's volleyball, netball, basketball, badminton, and you have no idea what line's what, but there was one of those halls. Uh, they had a piece of white ply that was screwed to the back uh, wall that wasn't to the dimension of any screen, but it was enough to project on. Um, Sam Smith was on staff at the time. He's smiling, knowing about all of this. And there were all these plastic green chairs. I love those plastic green chairs. Every other week, one of them would inadvertently explode under someone in the middle of the church service. The funny thing was it had nothing to do with how big a person you were. Like I'd be sitting there comfortable on my green chair and someone that weighed about 45 kilos would be five rows back and mid-sermon just boom, the thing would just kind of crack and explode under them. Probably the chair I sat on the week previous, but that doesn't really matter. But we were just regularly going, churning through these green chairs because they're the cheapest chairs I think the school could buy when they first started. And they were just... Terrible, terrible chairs. But I went out with a passion and a vision in my heart because we were going to plant a church and this was a great vision that we had at Gateway and I felt God's hand in it and had some very clear pictures and words from God to not just myself and our family but to the team that went. And when you're doing God's business right, it's all just going to turn to gold. So we started and I remember the first service, we had zero idea of what it was going to look like and uh, we'd invested in a whole bunch of creative things that we were going to do to try and help start this community well. And uh, we were serving hot chips. That was a really stupid idea on vinyl floors. The only time we ever did it, service one. Because at about eight o'clock at night when the oil was still 700 degrees and we didn't know how to get it out of the hall, uh, we just decided hot chips were done. Week one and that was it. But we, we started, we had 180 turn up to our first service which we had nothing to measure it by. We thought that was great. But in our heart, that was just the beginning of revival on the northern Gold Coast, right? Here we go. Things just going to explode because we're all here. We've got no experience as a team, but our heart is just filled with hope and faith and a belief that Jesus can do anything. Well, in the first year, I led the church through a massive decline. And uh, 180 
on week one turned into, uh, well, there's a picture. I, I keep this picture handy because it shows what most services in the first 12 or 18 months of Gateway all may look like. Um, what you don't realise about that picture is about half of those people are staff that weren't part of our congregation but came down to encourage us. And that's what most weeks look like. And so I regularly look at that picture. It's on my computer because it reminds me of where we've come from. But we got to the end of 2012 and things were starting to settle and 2013 came. And the decision we made was we're going to start strong. We're going to speak a big vision into the church and really just let's, let's paint a picture. Vision isn't a picture of where we're going. So we set out 160 chairs, green chairs. Hard to make them look nice, but there was a sea of green chairs. And we were, going to, we were talking about how we believed that this is the picture of 2013. We're going to get back to 160 people sitting with us every Sunday. I kept this next picture because it was, we used to do a paper record of what Sunday looked like. This was our vision Sunday in 2013. We had 60 people in church. When 26 kids left, I don't know who did the maths because 26 and 32 doesn't equal 60. But uh, God the Father and God the Son were there, but obviously we were missing one of the Trinity. But somewhere between 58 and 60 people turned up to church. That's not my handwriting, by the way. I was strong at maths. Somewhere between 58 and 60 people in church on Vision Sunday, 32 of us there when I uh, spoke to the vision of the 160 seats. 32 people in a sea of 160 green seats is not a great picture. And I spoke, and, and here's the other thing, this will encourage all, all of the, uh, those that are in church leadership in the room. Number of uh, total offering received, zero, <laughs> zero. I, I can tell you I got up and I preached with passion that day, but inside my heart was just sinking. And everything in me was starting to question whether I actually had what it took to be part of a church plant and to lead this really important part of our vision at Gateway. We, we knew in the early days that if Ormo didn't work, we're probably going to have to put to bed the church planning strategy for a while because people would be burnt through the experience. And I'm there thinking, man, maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe I'm just not the guy to do this. Maybe there's someone way more equipped and way more experienced and way better leader and way better preacher and better at building teams and better at knowing what to do because all I've managed to do is to lead us to a point of this great vision with 32 adults sitting in the pews and wondering whether we actually had what it took. That was a really difficult season. And even though on the surface I kept ploughing forward and talking about where we were heading, there was something inside of me that was just full of doubt and full of pain and full of questioning at my own ability whether we'd heard God right and we were on the right track. You know the thing that sustained me through that season? were the people that God put around me. And more than that was the way God used people in my life and people in the life of our church to speak encouragement into our story. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes this morning about the power of encouragement. If you've got your Bibles with you, open up to Hebrews chapter 10. It's going to take us to a couple of small scriptures today. But Hebrews chapter 10, from verse 24, it's going to come up on the screen. It says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, 
not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to talk about encouragement. Let me just pick up a couple of other things in this passage that I think are just loaded with significance for us. I think in our winter season, one of the things we do is we actually start to withdraw from people. God's gift to you is others. He never desired for you to do the Christian life alone. But there's something in us that when we're in those winter seasons, whether they're personal or corporate or in our family or in our own health or our own spiritual life, whatever it is, we're in those winter seasons, there's something in us that causes to withdraw from people. Now, God would want to say, don't withdraw from people, actually let others in in those moments because part of God's gift to you is the people that He's put around you. The Scripture says this, don't give up meeting together. And, and then it finishes with this little thing, and even more as you see the day approaching. In other words, as some of the challenges and the struggles come that the Bible talks about are going to come to our faith as it's confronted with you know, culture and, and the conflict of living the way Jesus would have us live, as things start to get difficult, even more so in the difficult seasons, the Bible wants to say we should be with each other. Community matters. Make the effort to be regularly part of Christian community. It really, really matters. And even more, as you see the day approaching, it says. So don't give up being together because it really matters, especially in those winter seasons. But but what's one of the reasons that the Scripture wants to speak to us about being together? It is because when we're together, we have the chance to speak encouragement into one another. Let me quickly take you to another passage, and then I'm going to pull some words out of both of them. But 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14 says this, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, and help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See, one of God's beautiful pictures is that community is there to encourage us in the tough times and in the good times. Back to the verse in Hebrews. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. Now, I just want to just do a little Greek word study for a minute. Part of the reason I do this, I rarely do this, but when I go to other campuses, I like to pull out the Greek and Hebrew words because it makes me look more like a biblical scholar and impress all of you. No, it's not that. But I want you to get a picture of the depth of what this word encouragement looks like in the Scriptures. If you go back to the original text, to this Hebrew passage, the word that's been translated into the English or spur on, how we may spur one another on, comes from a Greek word, paroxysmen. Paroxysmen, can we say that together? Paroxysmen. Little hint, the guys at the back were asking me how I learnt to pronounce these words. Was it something I learnt in Bible college? Not at all. You just pick a word, you commit to your pronunciation of it, and everyone's convinced that's how you say it. So I don't actually know how you say that, but paroxysmen sounds right, okay? Paroxysmen means this. It means to incite, to irritate, to provoke, literally to annoy one another. So what does encouragement look like in the Hebrew passage? You're meant to irritate, provoke, incite, and annoy one another. I gave this uh, talk at staff meeting a few weeks ago and Susan Ellsmore elbowed Jason and said, you've been encouraging me for years, annoying me. Right. But that's the picture of this passage, that to spur one another on literally means to irritate one another, to annoy one another, to provoke and to incite one another. It then goes on to say that we should encourage one another and it's a different Greek word. 
The Greek word used at the back end of this passage is the word parakaleo. Parakaleo. And parakaleo means that we had a call from near beside. So two little faces of encouragement in this one passage. One is about irritating, provoking, inciting and annoying. And the other one is about proximity and presence. That we're to call from near beside. In other words, if you're going to encourage someone, draw near to them. Get in their ear and speak words of hope and life into them. Let me just jump into the Thessalonians passage for a minute because what I want to do is just draw out these three different faces of encouragement and speak into them for us this morning. But in the Thessalonian passage, it says this, that we should encourage the disheartened. And in this passage, the word for encouragement is the word paramatheomai, paramatheomai, which means to speak close beside with soothing words. This isn't just about proximity, but this is now just about what we speak in our proximity. So three words, paroxysmon, parakaleo, and paramatheomai. They all mean different things. They're all different faces of encouragement. There's three three, uh, stances or three roles that we play as encouragers towards one another that are going to help some of us in the midst of whatever it is we're walking through now. And the first is this picture of inciting, annoying, provoking, and irritating. Now, I like to think of these people as the coaches that God puts in our life. You know, in those times at Ormo when things were getting really tough for me, there were some people that weren't there just to kind of tell me everything was brilliant, everything was wonderful. They were there to be real and honest, but they weren't there to say it was time to give up either. They were on the sidelines going, come on, stop whinging, stop moaning, get out of bed, hurry up, get on with it. What are you going to do next week to move things one step forward? And then the week after, what's the strategy for the next 12 months to build this ministry that's not going so well so that in 12 months' time, because it's not all going to turn around overnight, but what can you do today so that tomorrow is a little bit better and in 12 months' time we've got something to celebrate? I like to see these people as the irritants, the coaches that God puts in our life. And sometimes what we don't need is someone just to sit beside us and moan and wallow in our own kind of problem. We need people that in their encouragement actually speak into us words of truth, but words of hope. If you've got a really good coach, and I'm really hoping that Brad Fittler's a really good coach tonight for the New South Wales Blues. Hey, Phil. Any other Blues supporters here? It's good to see that at least one person was able to put their colours on and wear them with pride this morning. But your coaches don't jump on the field and play the game. And I had some people that weren't in on the field, weren't in the Ormo congregation, weren't part of doing the task week to week, but they were on the sidelines helping to push us forward. And sometimes the encouragement we need are people that irritate, annoy and provoke us towards all that God has for us. Sometimes we run away from those people. We look for the people that tell us what we want to hear, not the things that we need to hear. But who in your life are you inviting in to actually be your coach? To kind of yell at you from the sidelines occasionally. To tell you to pull up your socks, to get on with it, to not give up, to stop moaning, to stop complaining, to get focused and to press forward. Because that is one of the faces of encouragement. We need coaches in our life. We are, I'm a park runner, if you haven't worked that out, but I've done five (laughs) over two years. 
But because of that, I've got a barcode and I see myself as a park runner. More a park waddler or a park kind of shuffler, but park runner is part of what I am. Anyway, a few, a few months ago, one of my last park runs, it's been too cold, hasn't it? It's been winter, come on. I actually go to the Logan Park Run. It's been flooded for half the year, so things have just started up again. But early in the year, I started the year with great motivation in my park running exploits, and uh, I was running this day, and I was completely focused on just making the 5Ks without stopping. For those that are runners in the room, you're probably like, what's that all about? For those that aren't runners, that is a massive achievement. Right, I am quick over 50 metres, Actually, quick over 10 metres and slow over 50. On my football team, I'm the quickest guy over 10 metres and the slowest over 50. Think about that for a minute, but that is kind of my athletic ability. But I'm not, I'm not, there's been no distance in these legs for a long time. And so I was so committed to making 5Ks without stopping. There was this lady, she was an irritant to me, but not an encouraging way, who every time I would catch her and overtake her, she'd start running. Right, and she'd just overtake me. And the whole way, I wasn't worried about racing her. I was just worried about not stopping and making the 5Ks. Anyway, every time I get past, she, and she'd keep walking. Anyway, about 100 metres out from the finish line, she goes running past me and finishes, and I got there. I ran 5Ks without stopping. Come <laughs> yes, that deserves a round of applause. I said to Chrissy, my wife, the other day, Maybe next year I should just try and do the Gold Coast Marathon and not tell anyone. She said, you said that last year. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to my story. Um, anyway, I, I go and sit down after this race, a little bit proud that I hadn't stopped on this particular day. And this lady, look, if I'm being fair, she was about 60. And she comes up to me and she goes, I just wanted to beat you today. You were just like my pace setter and I just wanted to beat you. Oh, nice to meet you too. Thanks. Off you go. Anyway, she takes off. The week after, I come back and uh, I start the park run and I see her in front of me. Apparently, she's a regular. I see her in front of me. I'm thinking, I'm not going to give her the joy of overtaking her today. I'm just going to run behind from a distance. And so she became my pace setter. About 200 metres out from the finish line, I smoked her. 60-year-old run-on lady, you got done by a fit 43-year-old. <laughs> but anyway, one of my favourite things, I don't know why I told you that story, I just thought you'd have a laugh, but one of my favourite things about the park run is that uh, the, the community that happens as you come up to the finish line. Because actually the beauty of park run is it's not about who's the quickest and the fittest, it's just all about the community of runners, isn't it? And so there's like just a, a, a group of people that just congregate near the finish line and there's this one particular lady at our park run who's taken a great um, liking for Donna who's our kids pastor at Ormo and when Donna comes running near the end this lady starts yelling come on Donna and runs with her and this lady only does half the park run because that's all she can manage so she's no super fit athlete but she runs along beside Donna just going come on Donna and smacking her on the backside until she gets over the finish line it's my favorite part of park run watching this lady just yelling at Donna but she's like that irritant coach because something happens when there's people yelling at you, right? There's just something happens when there's that line of people willing you to get to the end that something in the community lifts you and helps you get to the end. And that is part of what God calls us to be for one another. 
Sometimes we need to be on the sidelines cheering each other on because sometimes it's in that praise that it keeps us going when we feel like giving up. And we're not just called to be annoying, irritant coaches because the Bible says that we should encourage one another or parakaleo to come close beside. See, sometimes the encouragement we need to be is in our presence or in our companionship. Sometimes what God needs us to do in ministering to one another is to be present and close, exhorting one another to stand firm and not to let discouragement take us out. An incredible mentor for many years that had worked in Christian ministry and Christian organisations for over 50 years. He'd seen it all. He'd seen leaders come and go. He'd seen some of the best and the worst. And he said to me one day, I've seen a lot of stuff take people out of ministry, but the one thing that takes more out than anything else is discouragement. See, discouragement is a powerful force, and so encouragement needs to be even more powerful. And sometimes we can be great coaches, stand on the sideline yelling at people in a nice, encouraging way. Other times we just need to be great companions that walk alongside. And in those early years for me at Ormo, God put some people in my life that walked close beside. They helped bear the burdens that I was carrying and I got the privilege of helping to bear their burdens as well. And as we did it in community, God helped us walk through a really challenging season. See, sometimes we're called to be coaches, sometimes we're called to be companions. And finally, I'm going to get the band to come join me. Sometimes we're called to be comforters. Paramatheomai. What's encouragement look like? Sometimes it is those that bring comfort, support and healing to those that are depleted, broken and discouraged. Sometimes we need to be the ones exhorting, irritating, annoying. Sometimes we need to be the ones that do the journey as the close, constant companion and some days we just need to be the comforter that sees people in their moment of distress, in the midst of whatever their winter season in is and draws near beside to speak words of comfort, words of hope, words of healing. Sometimes to bring encouragement in practical ways, a meal at the right time. Sometimes to bring encouragement in presence, just, some, just being there, not saying anything. One of the things I learnt Early in my pastoral journey was, it, it, there's something about when, when you're young in the role that I get to do of, I, I get to be present with people in their best and worst moments. I've married a lot of people. I've also had the privilege of standing on stage in front of families as they grieve the passing of a loved one. And sometimes there's just no words. But presence really matters. And sometimes the only words we can speak are just words that aren't going to fix anything or change anything. They're not words of advice. They're not words of what to do. Sometimes as Christians, we can be really bad at telling people what to do to fix their problems when all they need is to know that we're there, that we're present and we're not going anywhere. And the only words we can speak are words of hope and comfort. And sometimes that's the kind of encouragement God needs us to bring into the lives of others. God put coaches, companions, and comforters in my story, in my almost story and in other seasons of my life that have been really, really challenging. And I reckon God wants all of us to experience that from others, but 
The only way we can experience it is if all of us see our opportunity to be it, to take on this really powerful biblical concept of encouragement and choose to be that. You know, we live in a culture, I reckon, that has learned what it means to be critical. I, I can have 500 great coffees and say nothing and then get a, one that's kind of slightly lukewarm and complain about it. We've Something in our culture that's become really good at complaining and, and social media and other places have just aided that because it's so easy to be a keyboard warrior, isn't it? To flick off an email or a review or whatnot and whinge about stuff. But I reckon God wants us to be different to that. It's, it's okay to bring some constructive feedback. Don't hear that. But we got to be, I reckon, given more encouragement than we do discouragement. Be words of life and hope into people rather than just words of rebuke and challenge. What's it look like for you to play the role of an encourager into someone else's story today, this week, this year? Hey, the almost story didn't end in 2012 and by God's grace, the discouragement of those early days didn't take me out, didn't take our team out. I still get the privilege of being there with a whole bunch of people that were with us on day one. Here's a couple of photos of of what church looks like more regularly for us. This was our carols event last year. We had 400 people in the room for our very first live Ormo Carols experience. And this was our church camp just two months ago where strangely, 270 people turned up to go camping to share four bathrooms. (laughs) Something crazy about that, but you know what? That's what God's done over 10 years in building something. Gary Redlands, you're still really early in your journey. You've had some really challenging early days. We didn't have to put up with the global pandemic for two years in the first part of our story, but you did. And, and, And the church across Australia, across the world is still recovering from the effects of that. It hasn't disappeared, but there's been some challenging times in trying to navigate that. But can I just encourage you, don't give up because God's got some incredible things for you. I've been at Gateway for 25 years. And when I walked in, we were a church that was getting about 600 people on a Sunday in one campus across two services, a 9am and a 6pm just a few years before that. Gateway had been through a really messy part of its story and there was a lot of hurt and pain in the community at the time. And here I stand 25 years later and see where we are today. Worshiping community of over 2,000 people in five campuses and a whole range of different services, care ministries that didn't exist back then, more global mission workers, you know, a neighbours ministry that's reaching out to refugees and migrants in our communities. I see bursting youth and generations ministries. Uh, Just the joy around the office this week in celebrating with Gateway Redlands around your youth fest last Friday night and seeing a whole bunch of you come together to help make that happen. And, you know, nearly 100 young people from your community turning up to be blessed by that. Yeah, that's, those days we weren't dreaming of in 1997. And there weren't too many weeks where it felt like we went from here to here. It's just been this incremental journey. I just get the value of being able to stand here and look back over 25 years and go, wow, look where God's brought us from, where He's brought us to. But sometimes we give up in the really hard moments. Don't give up. God cares about His church more than we care about His church. And He's going to do more good things in His church than we could ever manufacture in our own strength. He just needs us to be present, persistent, committed and faithful. If you do that, you're going to see Him do some incredible stuff. 
I have great joy in seeing what God's done in my story and the story of our church. I have great joy sitting on, watching what God's doing in your campus here, Gateway Redlands. And I know that the best for you guys is yet to come. It's all ahead. Some great stuff that God's doing now, but as you continue to walk forward, there's some incredible things in the future. Don't give up too early. Keep pressing on. Hey, uh, my, my response today is really practical. Well, there'll be an opportunity for prayer at the end for those that just have a need, that they just need some people to gather around and just pray words of encouragement over them. But I just want to give you a, a challenge that before you leave today, you find someone here just to encourage. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be deep or to, you don't have to find kind of crazy spiritual words. It might just be, hey, I just want to thank you for this or I want to honour you for this. Parents, become really good at thanking your kids and youth leaders. Apart from Jess out there, everyone else is volunteering their time. I was 10 years youth pastor at Gateway and it used to annoy me, not in a good way, but when parents who had dropped their kids off every year wouldn't even get out of their car on the last Friday night to say thank you to one of the 18-year-olds that had actually cared for their kids, actually become good at saying thank you to those that serve you and bless you. So as you pick up your kids this morning, just find one of the young leaders in a green shirt and just speak a word of encouragement over them because you don't know what that's going to do to actually take them on to all that God has for them. Become expert encouragers, Gateway Redlands. God will use that for His glory and to build His church. So why don't you do that? Let me just, I just want to speak a word of encouragement here today. I was watching him before, but I, I don't know a lot of you, so excuse me for picking on someone that I get to see a little bit of, but Benny Islin at the sound desk, you guys have been blessed getting this young guy coming to your team in the last 12 months. And mate, I just, I love your heart for this place. And I, mate, I see a little bit of my own journey as an 18-year-old that had a heart for ministry starting to get involved and only a few years later being brought onto team and wanting to change the world and, you know, having to go through just the hard yards of doing ministry. And mate, ministry is hard work. The, the, the highlight moments are like this, but the work behind the scenes is like this. And I just want to encourage you, Ben. I see your integrity. I see your heart for God. I see your heart for this community. I see your desire to invest the best of who you are into building something great here. And mate, I want to encourage you to keep going. God's got some incredible things in store for you in your future. Let's pray. Hey, Lord, I just want to thank you that you are a God of encouragement. You love just to speak words of hope and life over us. You love just to build us up and to lift us up. God, you're not there just to trample us down and to push us down, but you want us to continue to discover all that you've created us to be and to continue to step in the purposes that you have for us. Father God, in this culture that's so good at pulling people down and telling people what they've done wrong, may we as your people become experts in building people up, lifting them up, helping them to move forward and helping them to achieve all that you have for them. God, may we be expert encouragers just as you, by your Spirit, encourage us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.